we are continuing our coverage of the uh, massive organized crime, RICO, and gang-related trial of one of the most decorated uh, hip-hop artists in American music history. I'm Tim Darnell. Uh, We've been covering this trial uh, for the past year or so. As far as jury selection and the, the charges actually facing Jeffrey Williams, also known as Young Thug, here in Atlanta. And we're joined on this edition of our Atlanta News first series of podcasts devoted to the coverage of Young Thug and the uh, associated trial and charges that he is facing with Alexander Bullock. He is an associate professor of law at Emory University. And yeah, what I really wanted to talk about today is the use of some of the lyrics that are being that have been admitted for use as evidence by Fulton County Superior Court Judge Ural Glanville, who is overseeing the trial. He's obviously the chief judge of the Fulton County Superior Court Circuit, one of the most senior judges on the bench at Fulton County. A few weeks ago, he ordered the the admissal or the admittance of, I believe, 17 or 18 lyrics that Young Thug and some of his associates have used in their music. And that, you know, will obviously, I imagine, uh, defense attorneys will have the chance to object to admitting some of these more controversial lyrics uh, into evidence. But talk to us a little bit about what are the what are the free speech and constitutional issues revolving around the use of musical lyrics that may be interpreted as controversial or violent in a criminal trial? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, well, so the basic rule of evidence is um, anything relevant is admissible. So there are a lot of exceptions, but that's the basic rule is anything relevant is admissible. And what does relevant mean? Anything that has a tendency to prove the thing you're trying to prove. So um, if you want to prove that someone killed someone and you have his statement, like if he has said, I really want to kill this guy or I just killed this guy, um, you know, that's 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 a piece of evidence that would tend to help you prove the thing that you're trying to prove. And so, therefore, the presumption is you can admit it. And um, it's it doesn't matter what form you do it in. It could be orally, could be written. You know, you could have drawn it on a wall. You could have written it in a novel or you could have sung it in a song. So there's no special rule for works of art or songs or anything like that. That's the basic rule. I mean, you so you could raise an argument based on free speech, based on the First Amendment, that you are violating my First Amendment rights, that is, you're penalizing me for things that I wrote in a song by using it against me in a criminal trial. But generally, that argument doesn't work because if you've said something and if it really is relevant to proving what they're trying to prove, then it can be admitted into evidence. That's just a neutral rule that applies to all kinds of speech. And, um, you know, if if you couldn't bring in people's speech as evidence, then we wouldn't really have much in the way of evidence anymore. 
Were you surprised when Judge Glanville uh, admitted some of these lyrics as evidence? Um, well, I, I'm not surprised at the uh, at the general idea because that's something that's fairly old hat um, in terms of evidence law. Uh, but really, there there are a couple of interesting questions. Uh, for instance, it's um, you know one question would be what sorts of statements are you introducing? So for instance, what if um, what if I had said, oh yeah, you know, like a couple years ago, I used to kill people all the time. Like I I never get never got caught for it, but you know, I really have killed quite a quite a lot of people. And let me explain to you about all the murders that I've done in the past. Now, that goes to show that you're a bad person, but it does not go to show that you did this new murder. Um, and so um, those sorts of things are not admissible because they don't because they don't tend to prove that you committed that particular murder. Um, instead, it goes to show your character, and then um, they might want to show that oh, you see, because you have that kind of character, then that means that you're the sort of bad guy who would have done that. That's not admissible. Um, but on the other hand, if you say um, I was at Claremont and Ponds at 9 p.m. on a Friday. Um, and a particular murder was committed at Claremont and Ponds at 9 p.m. on a Friday. Like that's something that really does tend to show that you did the thing. Or alternatively, if you said, you know, even with respect to your previous murders, you said, I used to kill people uh, in this very specific way that I would shoot them in uh, three separate places on their head or something. Um, and then if another person shows up who is killed in exactly that way, uh, well, then that goes to show because you've said something about your method. And um, so there are there are a lot of a lot of things, you know, that they could be taken to prove a lot of different things. It's a question of what are you trying to prove? Um, and so if um, if you're tr just trying to prove that the guy is a bad guy, then that's not uh, or rather if you're trying to prove that he committed this murder, but you bring in evidence which only shows that he's a bad guy, that's no good. But. If you do have evidence that really is relevant to whether he did that particular murder, um, then that's okay. Do you believe that any of the defense attorneys associated with Young Thug, I believe, besides the artist himself, there are five other individuals who are still, who will be going on trial with him. Do any of their attorneys have any validity to raise the First Amendment or a constitutional right to free speech during the actual trial, or with Judge Glanville's ruling, has that ship already sailed? Um, well, they can. Uh, I mean, they, they could always raise arguments to object. I mean, you have to object at the time, um, at the time that the ruling is made, and so. You know, I, I don't know exactly what procedural stages are happening, but I, I assume, well, if you if you don't raise your evidentiary concerns for a long time, then you kind of lose your evidentiary arguments. But I assume they're trying to raise them at the proper time. So um, I just think that they probably are not going to win because there's no general First Amendment argument against introducing your statements as evidence. Now, I mean, there are some other concerns. For example, what if it turns out that um, 
you know, a young thug as an artist is going to say, I say lots of things in my songs. That's not me. That's not the truth. I make up a persona. The person in the it's 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 essentially fiction. It's as though I were writing a novel from the with a first person character. And the first person character is not the author. We all understand that the first person character is not necessarily the author. Um, and that's true. It's just that, uh, well, as we lawyers say, that goes to weight, not admissibility. Um, so the evidence is admissible, but then you are allowed to make an argument that you shouldn't really credit that evidence very much um, because it's because it's it's merely um, because it's merely fiction. Now, I mean, like there's a reason that doesn't go to admissibility because you could decide like the jury or the fact finder could always decide that it is fiction or it isn't fiction. It all depends. I mean, if you had someone in your fiction do a murder, which you described in a very detailed way, and then shortly afterwards, they discover a murder that was done in exactly that same way. Um, then the jury is allowed to say, well, it could have been fiction, but in this case, we don't think it was fiction because you knew certain things that only you could have known, you know, so you can make arguments. So they can certainly make arguments that this evidence is not very probative. The evidence doesn't really prove much, but that's what, that's what the two sides will disagree on. It doesn't go to whether the evidence is admissible. With the content of some of the lyrics being what they are. And obviously, when the trial begins, opening statements are on November 27th. We don't know what other evidence prosecutors are going to introduce during the trial. And obviously, there's a, a witness list of several of hundreds of people who are, who are going to be called. We don't know what they're going to say. But all things being equal, are these lyrics enough? in your opinion, to sway a jury in favor of the prosecution, not knowing what else is going to come up between now and then, of course. Uh, I have to confess, I haven't seen the lyrics. So um, I don't I don't know exactly what he sang about and um, and I don't know how it relates to whatever crimes they might be trying to show. Um, but. You know, um, generally, I, I assume that the prosecution is not stupid. So I assume that they have chosen lyrics that, in their view, really are probative in, you know, making a reasonable person think it's more likely that this person committed this crime. Um, so so I think their view is that when the jury looks at it, that will make them more likely to think that the that the crime happened. Um, now, it could be that some of it, Eventually, the judge might not allow them to use it because they still have to set the proper foundation for the use of the evidence. They have to show why that evidence is going to be relevant. It could turn out eventually that the prosecution does not have a very good theory and they just wanted to bring that in to convince the jury that he's a bad guy. Um, and then the judge might say, no, no, no. Um, but assuming that everyone is minimally competent in this trial, um, I think the prosecution's view is that these lyrics make it seem, um, you know, will make it seem at least slightly more likely um, that this person committed 
this crime. You know, again, you have people like Johnny Cash who sang things like, I shot a man in Reno just to watch him die. Um, we didn't really assume that that was actually him confessing to a crime. But on the other hand, if it turns out that someone was shot in Reno and we didn't know who did it and that Johnny Cash happened to be in Reno at that moment, you know, like uh, that's probably unlikely. But if that did happen, then, you know, we could have used it in that case. Um, I just suppose we don't usually bring in those lyrics in other cases because usually the lyrics are not specific are not both specific enough and uh you know there's a and there's a specific crime um that's being prosecuted at that moment are you aware of any other cases that in which a novelization something the defendant wrote or sang about actually led or played a large part in their conviction or acquittal what kind of Uh, precedents are there yeah, I, you know, I, I I'm not aware of other cases like that. Not to say it hasn't happened. I just um, uh, that's just an area where that's just an area where I don't know very much. Uh-huh. And um, uh, I, I know that other people, by the way, have also raised this argument that um, this is the sort of thing that is usually that is done more often in the rap context than for other forms, and so. Some people will argue that there's a racial aspect, that it's only, quote, black music that is targeted for being used uh, and other forms are not. Now, um, there might be something to that. And to 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 know that we would really have to see um, what were some other cases where some lyrics would have arguably been relevant. Um, so it's uh, certainly musical forms that talk more often about crime are more likely to be you're more likely to be able to tie them to a crime and there are other musical forms that are less likely to talk about specific crimes and so you know i um it could be that there is a bias um against rap music in that sense um but uh, that's not obvious to me because we'd really have to see what other forms of music uh, are there other forms of music where that would have been plausible for them to bring in and they decided not to? So it's not obvious to me. Um, and uh, uh, I'm sure the uh, the judge just decided that, look, all that's important here is whether it seems plausible in this case and other cases are for other cases. Talking about the, the racial aspect of hip hop music throughout the nation, from a defense attorney's standpoint, is that a viable legal defense that they might bring up during the trial that, hey, my clients are, are all Black, they're victims of, of racial discrimination because of their music? Is that a viable defense strategy? Well, the, uh, here's what would make it difficult. You'd, you'd need to show that there was some kind of discrimination and uh, that would be an equal protection violation if you could show it but here's the problem let's let's assume that um the lyrics turn out to be not relevant at all in this case well if that's the case then on appeal some judge is going to say yeah this was not relevant you should try it again without those lyrics um in which case you know, then the defendant will just win that aspect of it just on the issue of whether it was relevant. Um, so 
But now assume that it really is relevant. So let's say, let's say it is relevant um, and the guy really is convicted because of it. And then his argument would be, yes, I was properly convicted because of these lyrics, but I could point to other guys um, who um, also had comparable lyrics, non-black, um, and those lyrics were not introduced at their trials. And because of that, those guys were acquitted. So they were wrongly acquitted. I, you know, I was rightly convicted. They were wrongly acquitted. And that is uh, an injustice. And so therefore... I ought to have the benefit of that. Uh, so you should, just as you wouldn't have introduced the lyrics in those cases, um, you shouldn't have introduced the lyrics in mine. The problem is, can you point to, like, did that judge, did that very same judge make the opposite ruling in a comparable case with a non-Black defendant? You know, it's it's unlikely that you could find such a comparable case with that exact same judge. And so if instead your argument is, well, yes, okay, my judge, I can't point to anything discriminatory that my judge did. I can't point to anything discriminatory that was done in this case. Um, but just societally, this is a problem. I don't think you're going to win a case based on societally. Um, because for, um, for an equal protection violation, you have to point to a particular actor who did a particular thing because of racially biased reasons. So one way is to say that, well, in a different case, they acted differently, but even though it's not that different from mine, or that they would have acted differently. And how do you show that? You might show that because there's a smoking gun memo or something. You're unlikely to be able to find that. And so I think uh, if there is really a social bias against the use of rap music, then we should fix that. Probably it should be fixed it, not in the direction that the plaintiff, that the defendant would want. Uh, it would be, yeah, we properly introduce these lyrics and we ought to do it more in other cases, uh, which would harm other defendants. It wouldn't help you. It would actually harm other defendants if we did it properly. Um, so I think that those are, those are good arguments related to social reform. Um, but um, I doubt that they would be very viable arguments uh, in this guy's specific case. We are wrapping up this special podcast here on Atlanta News First regarding the trial of Young Thug and the YSL gang or alleged Young Slime Life gang, whereas uh, Jeffrey Williams, a.k.a. Young Thug, and his attorneys say YSL simply stands for Young Stoner's Life, a record label. Alexander Volokh, a professor of law at Emory University, final question. If Young Thug is convicted, does this case set a precedent for future prosecutions that include allegedly violent hip-hop lyrics? Well, I think that the precedent that it will set is just... Um... It's the ordinary rule that has always existed. It's just maybe people were less aware of it. The ordinary rule is um, if you admit to crimes, then we can use that as evidence. Or if you say things that are relevant to proving that you committed a crime, that can be used as evidence. That's always the case. And so if anyone thought they had impunity because they put it in a song, then they shouldn't. And then it also means that um, even if you try and make up 
a persona who is a criminal, you ought to be careful because if you describe various crimes that are too similar to what somebody else did, then someone might get the wrong idea that you did it, and then you might get in trouble because of that, which would be a useful thing for them to know. Um, so it it, um, it would set a precedent, not necessarily a bad precedent. Thanks to Alexander Pollock, Associate Professor of Law at Emory University. Stay with Atlanta News First and AtlantaNewsFirst.com for gamble to gamble coverage of what has already been the longest jury selection process in Georgia history regarding the trial of Young Thug and a what could possibly be the longest trial in Georgia history. We'll be bringing you gamble to gamble and daily coverage of the trial as it gets underway, thanks to all of you for listening to this podcast from Atlanta News First and AtlantaNewsFirst.com.